0: Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world, with Ani Avedisian, the Suburban Shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Hello, everyone. I'm Ani, Mad Shaman Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three-part spirit, one-part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism. Give it all a good hard shake and pour. Dress it with the olives of grace and empathy. Sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini. The show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo in today's Here We Go with another comical Biden caper. The news is so blatantly fake it grates like sandpaper. Lemmings falling over each other to jump off the cliff. Why don't we all just share a great big spliff? Bizarre, surreal, mad little world. As always, we try to conduct ourselves with as much grace and empathy as can be mustered on any given day. We are rarely successful. (laughs) I'll admit to that. But we are honor-bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, The Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love shots. Yes, we do. In fact, my darlings, in your honor, I'm going to have one right now. Excuse me. Oh, that is delightful. Mm. If you are joining me for the first time, I extend a very warm welcome to you. Do you feel the warmth? Be advised, however, this show does not exist to provide you with frivolous entertainment. No, we tackle difficult issues. We do so with guts, with gusto, and with a goodly amount of spiritual ammo. Pew, pew, pew. We don't do politically correct on this show because we do not wish to erode our intellect. PC was created to inhibit free speech. You were told speaking your mind would offend the weak and the fragile, the people with feeble minds. You were told this... Because the establishment knows that if you fear speaking out, it's only a matter of time until you fear freedom of thought. And if you haven't figured that out by now, my darlings, then you need a lot more help than this show can offer. This show is for people whose loins are girded, not sheep waiting to be herded. We appeal to freethinkers, not arrogant winkers. We martini heads are humble. Well, I'm not. You lot are. We appreciate clarity and we do not mumble. And by golly, we are not afraid to rumble. So let's get right into the show. Let's get into the show with quack, questions, answers and comments. The main reason we started this show was to hear what ponderings are percolating in the corridors of your magnificent minds. If, my darlings, you would like to imbue our audience with your highest wisdom, send me an email, arnie at arnieavadistian.com or snail mail to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, America the Beautiful. And please, please let me know if and how you wish to be identified or I shall refer to you as omit personal details. And, well, that's rather impersonal, isn't it? If you want to be anonymous, that's fine. Just let me know. All right, let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops out. Shaky, shaky, shaky. All right, now. Oh, this is interesting. This is a postcard from a place called Winooski, Vermont. And it's from someone whose name I think begins with a T, or it could be a J, or it could be an I, because this person's handwriting is atrocious. Um, anyway, this person says, Dear Annie, do you support the police? Hmm. Well, in what way? I mean, the question is a bit vague, isn't it? I mean, do I support them by sending them trusses for their hernias? Or do I support them by donating money to the Police Benevolent Fund? Or do I cover for them on their days off when they're short-staffed? Or do I give them donuts? If you're asking me if I support the concept of having a police force, a federal police force, Well, my slightly libertarian core says, no, of course not. I have a moral compass. Why would I need a cop? I have the right to right any wrong done unto me in any manner I consider fair and just. But then again, because I am a grown-up, I do accept they have a part to play in the dysfunctional world we have created for ourselves today. Now, um... Vague person from small town in Vermont with vague question. Do you mean federal police or local sheriff? Because today, a significant portion of the federal police are the muscle for the dark establishment. They are supposed to protect we the people. But as I look around me in France, in Australia, in the UK and here in the USA, I see police officers enforcing illegal, immoral, New World Order mandates on We the People, and I most certainly do not support those officers. And while that's happening, I see local police departments standing up for We the People and refusing to enforce immoral and illegal New World Order mandates. I support those officers. And I would happily send them trusses for their hernias, donations, donuts, or cover for their days off. Today, I honestly cannot make a blank statement and say I support all police. A few years ago, before the demons of hell unleashed themselves and took up permanent residence in the bodies of congressmen and senators, I would have said, yes, on the whole, I recognize the police are people Good people doing a job, and many of them put their lives on the line daily to keep us safe, and that is true, and I appreciate and I respect that, and I will continue to do so. If I see a police officer in trouble, I will help the officer in any way I can, as long as that officer is not actively enforcing the will of the dark establishment, because if they are, I'm not going to help them. Our world is changing, there is no denying that. Lines have been drawn in the sand. How police officers conduct themselves today will have an effect on how we the people treat them on the other side of this, and there will be another side. There will be an other side to this. And I urge them, the police, to give this a great deal of thought. Losing the support of older law-abiding citizens, the demographic, my demographic, that traditionally supports the blue line. Well, if I was an officer, that would concern me. The only time I would stand against an officer is, of course, if they try to enforce these illegal and immoral New World Order mandates. Point of interest for me personally, I've trained quite a few officers in my time in energy work, of course, and and metaphysics. And all of them, they were from the local sheriff's departments. Not a single one was a federal officer. Oh, actually, I take that back. One was a marshal, and he was a really cool guy. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, thank you, whoever you are, um, with the weird handwriting and the vague question from the strange corner of Winovsky, Vermont. And that's the first time I've heard of this town, but it sounds like whiskey, so it must be a nice place. All right, let's shake up the fishbowl and see what else pops out. Let's take this one. This is an email from John Paul from Fribourg in Switzerland who asks, "Annie, that's me, I have been reading about soul contracts. Have you really? And I wish to ask this. The people who have taken the you-know-what shot, did they make soul contracts to take it to die so as to show others how dangerous it is? Does the soul know the danger? If it does, why would it let the human take the shot unless perhaps it was because it had a soul contract to die? John Paul Since millions of souls are involved, it is more than possible that some of them did make those contracts. Does the soul know the danger? Yes, of course. The soul is aware of all potential outcomes. The question is not whether or not the soul knows it. The question is whether or not the human knows it. The reason we place emphasis on prayer, on prayerful contemplation, On meditation is because those actions let the spirit inhabit the human. In other words, the spirit guides the human and prevents the human from succumbing to the density of a third dimensional world such as ours. Now I'll go out on a short limb here and say that during the past few decades the campaign of perceptual engineering, the assault on our minds, the plan to to program us into automatons, has been relentless and well-funded. And the point of such programming is to separate the human from its cosmic nature, from connection to source, the formless divine, and instead to persuade it to form an attachment only to that which has form. That's the stuff we call the shiny, the stuff we can interact with with our physical bodies, with our physical senses. And that's what we see today, all around us. People losing their minds to terror over an illusion so blatantly false. It makes the devil wonder how on earth anyone fell for it. And by the way, with regard to contracts, soul contracts, we break our contracts with alarming regularity. Soul to soul, however, we rewrite them while our human personalities are incarnate, but if fear prevents the spirit from reaching the human, the human continues to make poor decisions and wastes yet another incarnation, wasting yet another opportunity to expand cosmic consciousness. And that is a shame. And yet, here we are. Well, Thank you for the question, jean Paul. I hope I answered it. Um, I get carried away sometimes. Uh, merci pour votre question, Jean Paul. Um, I think Fribourg is bilingual. So Danke, Food, Eater, Frage. Yeah, I don't want to make assumptions based on your name, whether you're French or German, but I think Freiburg is bi. Well, bilingual anyway. All Ooh. right. Merci, Danke. Let's, take, let's have a sip of this drink. This is a rum cocktail today. I don't do a lot of those, and it's really rather lovely, especially in the summer. Hang on. I'll be right back. Let me have a sippy-poo. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, my gosh. Mmm. I could write a poem about this cocktail. In fact, I probably will. Oh, where was I? Ris. Questions. Fishbowl. Concentrate. Let's take another question from the fishbowl of painful pondering. And this is from someone who wishes to remain anonymous, so it's from Omit Personal Details. And Omit asks, Ani, I am so confused by what is going on. If I listen to Simon Parks and Charlie Ward, they tell me that all the bad guys have been arrested and executed, and they've been replaced by robots or doubles or holograms who are now working on behalf of the good guys. If I go to General Flynn's telegram page, there is a link to a long list of arrests and executions. And honestly, Annie, how can that many people be replaced by artificial intelligence? Surely we would be aware of multiple malfunctions by now. They also say on these shows, sit back, get popcorn and enjoy the show. The White Hats are waiting for the people to realize realize how bad things will get under New World Order. And when things are really bad and the people have woken up and they're rebelling, the White Hats will step in. Don't worry, they tell us, they have everything under control. How on earth can they have everything under control with all of this chaos going on? And how white... How good are they if they're letting millions of poor schnooks get injected with a depopulation bioweapon? If they're letting illegals walk across the border and allowing this puppet government to crash the economy? And what the flip is going on in Afghanistan? None of it makes sense. And I don't know who to believe. I think it's all a coordinated power play. I don't think there's good and evil I think that's just evil. We should probably just shoot all the politicians on all sides and go back to small town and local agricultural communities. Whew. Small towns and agricultural communities. Now you're singing my song, and I do feel your pain, Omit. I really do. In an information war, the restriction of information Both sides use misinformation as the weapon. It is extremely frustrating, yet here we are. I too have issues. Well, I have many issues. But I have issues with people telling me to relax because the white hats are in control. Everything's just going to be fine. Open your popcorn, open your beer, sit at home and wait. That makes me so angry. White hats exist, of course. That's why New World Order came down on Donald J. Trump like a ton of bricks. Some of the people mentioned have actually been arrested, tried, and executed, but nowhere near the number in those social media feeds. And we have had artificial intelligence malfunctions, notably in the uh, what I call the Hillary Killery bot, And there is an element, if you think about it, there is an element of let the people see what they think they voted for and then let them see how naive, how ill-informed, how ignorant, how arrogant they are. And that does need to happen to an extent to shatter the illusion that we all live in. But I get what you're saying. I sometimes pop in and see what Charlie and Simon are up to, but I stopped really listening to them a while ago because, in my opinion, which is, for me, the only opinion that counts, they didn't ask enough of we the people. They did give the impression it was okay to sit back and wait for a saviour, and that is less than useful and productive. They may not have intended you know, that to be their vibe, but that is exactly how they came over. So, this is my way of dealing with it. Well, first off, if you can, take a few days off, go on vacation, clear the mind. What do we know? We know for sure that no news channel operating today on any side is going to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And unless you enjoy playing detective and connecting dots... Searching for the truth in today's world can be tedious and long-winded. And only you can decide how much time you have or how much time you are going to devote to it. What we know for sure is that White Hats, with Trump as their most excellent figurehead, came forth to expose the filth and corruption. They came to stop New World Order taking over the USA. We do know that. We also know that they won the 2020 election by a landslide. We also know the results were rigged. And now, of course, we have to jump through hoops to prove that. And the reason for that is that judges, politicians, etc., have been bought by the dark establishment. We also know for sure that given the right amount of money, coupled with blackmail and threats of death, Almost every human relationship can be altered. And this is why it is taking so long. When we say to people, draw a line in the sand, this would be a very good time to analyze what that means. At what point are you going to stop acquiescing to the evil of the New World Order takeover? I'm sure it's different from everyone, is it when they come to take you away from your house and forcibly inject you? Is it when they come to take your children away? Is it when they come and tell you you can't leave your house? When is it? It's different for everyone. But you have to understand, this is the time to ask that question. What is my, land in the, what is my line in the sand? When is it going to be too far? Because yeah. we're seeing the cracks in the official narrative now, aren't we? I mean, we know for a fact, but we know, people who know, know that the virus is just another flu zooped up to make us believe that at any given moment, if we breathe, we're going to drop dead. And we know the purpose of the virus was to terrorize people into taking the Francine, which we know is a bioweapon designed to kill as many people as possible over the next two to four years. And even the dumbest and we have millions of them, have begun to figure out that no one needs booster shots indefinitely. And Even the apathetic and naive, and we have millions of those, have figured out that more people are dying from the death jab than the flu. And we see the protests all over the world, so we know that people are waking up. We know that lines are being drawn in the sand. What else do we know? Because you have to work with what you know. We know that a significant portion of the American military acknowledged Trump, not Biden. I can't even say his name as the lawful president. And we know there is a network of able-bodied, well-armed veterans who will support the reinstatement of Trump and, if called to do so, will assist in a coup to restore the republic. And we know that nothing at play on the world arena today makes any sense. But don't you feel the energy percolating? Can't you feel? Well, it's like that musical Les Miserables. The people just keep getting more and more and more pissed off. And the people are beginning to get pissed off and restless. You see, the illusion is colossal. We must be prepared for rage and violence once it shatters. And shatter it must, because it is built on a cesspool of Luciferian excrement. And these people are Luciferians. So, my darling, let's use this time to be the very best version of ourselves possible. Be at peace with yourself and with the current situation. Acceptance doesn't mean you like it, it means you accept it. Ensure the safety of your family, your tribe, and work on severing your dependence on the state to the greatest extent possible. And limit your television news time by 90%, at least. Mm. God, that's a lovely drink. Because the television news, it's bollocks, all of it. Take care of your health, mental and physical and prepare yourselves and your tribes for come what may, because we don't know exactly what will come and when it will come. Now, I suspect something significant will take place within the next four to five weeks. And I say that because my boots-on-the-ground information collation team, both military and intelligence services, have stopped talking to me. And every time they maintain a radio silence... Well, something noteworthy shifts. So I think that percolating feeling, that's definitely real. This is important. Most of all, do not allow yourself to slip into depression and hopelessness. Because that particular vibration leads to a victim mentality. And that, that is a portal for dark energy. So each day, it's a new adventure. Every thought we generate registers on the cosmic airwaves. Let us not waste our cosmic potential on petty human emotions such as despair. Because what are we? Let's say it together. We are magnificent manifestations of cosmic intelligence. Let us remind ourselves of that 24-7 and act like that 24-7. Because at the end of the day, that is what will make the light victorious. There's no point in having white-hat troops staging a coup to liberate an apathetic, beaten-down, depressed population. No! Our illuminated minds will send waves of powerful energy to the good guys and ensure their victory. Our victory! Courage, mon ami! Formez vos bataillons! Marchons, marchons! Forward, into the fray. Let's defeat these bastards. I'm so sick and tired of them. All right. Thank you for the question. Shall we take another missive from the fishy-dishy? Let's do it. Inbox was a little busier than usual this week. Here's one from a chap called Hal in Ventura, California. Um, I'm not laughing at Ventura. It's just that I've been there and I'm laughing at Ventura. Okay, who says? This chap says, dear Arnie, during this time of unrest, awakening, and shakening... Ooh, that's good. Is the veil between worlds growing thin? Are demons and devils from the lower realms pouring into our realm? My neighbor does Reiki, and he says the shot we are not allowed to talk about is putting demons into people. Is that true? And if so, how can we defeat them? How? During awakenings and shakenings, anything is possible. When we shake things up, the stuff that was stuck to the bottom of the jar comes loose. And that is certainly happening today, but it's not quite as bad as demons and devils pouring into our realm. It's more along the lines of the demons already here riding on our backs, if you want to get biblical. Um, They're fighting for their lives, so they're agitated. Thus far, they have kept a low profile while whispering doubt in our ears and working hard to keep us wallowing in mediocrity, but the shakening, as you so beautifully put it, has pissed them off, and they're active. Yes, that is true. As for the shot we are not allowed to talk about, look, we are allowed to talk about any damn thing we please, thank you all very much, because... We are Americans, and no one has the right to inhibit our freedom of thought and expression and woe unto those buggers when we get to the other side of this. But back to your question, I have clients on my books who were deceived and took the bioweapon masquerading as a vax, and they now regret it, and they want to mute its effects. So I think I can share with you um, in abbreviated form what I see in their subtle energies. So uh, I'd be interested to know what your Reiki friend thinks as well. So this is what I see. Thousands of parasites, which my software engineer friend told me are nanobots. They're crawlies. They have little crawly legs, just like energy parasites. They replicate. They cover every part of the body in stages, And as far as I can see, they are transmitting pulsing information to the cells. Now, I'm neither a scientist or a software engineer, so I'm just describing what I see in my own words. As the parasites replicate, multiply, they seem to be writing their own software program. And this program's primary mission is to corrupt the human interface and prevent the human from accessing its original divine blueprint of perfection, the optimal physical and emotional health template. That alone is deeply and profoundly disturbing. What is even more disturbing is that more than two-thirds of the program is blank, which to me, means they're leaving space for the transmission of information in the future. So the injected are walking around with colonies of parasitic nanobots, rapidly colonizing their bodies, recoding the body's program to ignore its manufacturer's default settings, which of course will be God, and making space for new programming to be installed. And who the heck knows what that programming will be? Will it be used to further destroy the immune system so that one day they'll just say, oh, the common cold will kill millions in one season, hundreds of millions, billions is what they want. And then, of course, the dark establishment will say, oh, it's another variant and "Oh, we'll all give you another 10,000 booster shots. Or will it be a kill switch to end the life of the human? Or will it take control of the human's mind and instruct it to commit atrocities to, to others or to itself? You know, the zombie apocalypse that I talk about, this is the sort of scenario that I see in my remote views. I'm not a fearmonger, far from, you know, but I can only tell you what I see. And to anyone out there thinking, oh my God. What a load of science fiction bollocks. Let me remind you that everything we predicted has happened. We were right about everything. And I assure you, it gives me no joy to tell you that we are right about this. Now, do these parasitic bots attract demons? Yes, of course they do. They do because they were created from Luciferian ideology. And Luciferian ideology does not co-create with source energy. It feeds instead on our collective fear. So, of course, it attracts demonic parasites. Like attracts like. The basic rule of the law of attraction. If Stephen King made this into a movie, it would terrify the audience. But hey... It's happening IRL. It's happening in real life, inside hundreds of millions of human bodies that we, those who are not injected, have to interact with on a daily basis. Nothing could ever coerce me into accepting this foul concoction into my body, opening portals to the trash heap dimensions where mankind allows its cosmic potential to rot and to fester. How do we defeat them, asks Hal. Well, if you awaken to the agenda after accepting the shot, the most useful protocol from my vantage point would be to stop the parasites replicating. Now, I don't talk about the body physical. That's not my area of expertise. Um, and I don't have time on this show to go into detail. But I teach a pure white light meditation, and if it's done properly, diligently, and daily, it takes about 20 minutes, it will dissolve the newly replicated parasites. This will keep the effects at bay while we work on ways to completely neutralize the evil, and I am working on this with some of my clients and the ones that do it daily, their symptomology is resolving, their insomnia is revol- you know, uh, resolving, um, life is beginning to get functional again for them because some of them had some terrible physical side effects after the second shot. Now, I can teach this protocol to anyone in one session, and then you take it from there and you do it every day because they replicate all the time. But meditation alone is not enough. You have to understand why you are performing the meditation. That's the trick. It's like smudging your home. Throwing smoke around is nothing unless you understand the process and the correct placement of intent. So I know it's pretty scary. And, you know, scientists, the censored ones, will tell us, once it's in your body, it's altered your DNA, RNA. There is nothing you can do. The effects are irreversible. Um. I can't speak for the physical body. The only thing that I can say is that the Creator is always greater than the sum total of all of its parts. And even though you, of your own free will, because no one tied you to the table, you just thought that it would be a lot more convenient if you could take it so you didn't lose your job, etc. Not a personal judgment, just being honest here. Even though you, of your own free will, took it. I refuse to condemn you to a death sentence. If there's a way to reverse the effects of this within the subtle energies, I'm not going to die until I find it. That I promise you. Thank you for the question, Hal. Um, Why don't you talk to your Reiki neighbor, get some energy work, and, you know, um, have him give me a call. We can discuss, uh, you know, what he sees. And let's do one more question before we move on. And this is from Jan in San Diego, California. Ooh, let me have a drink. Mm. Oh, yummo. Okay. Oh, oh, good. This is not the question I thought it was. <laughs> Hurrah. I didn't need the drink. Um, Arnie, without having to spend any money on classes, what is the quickest way to get a jump start on developing intuition? Ah, oh, Jan in San Diego, you want to be a psychic in a box? Just add boiling water, cover and leave for one minute, fluff with a fork and consume. <laughs> okay, Jan, here is your rice aroni treat for the week. Wash your hands with hot soapy water, rinse them with cold water. Go to a second-hand store, pick up an item, close your eyes, and without editing or second-guessing yourself, record the impressions you receive. Wash your hands in between holding different items. Have fun. That is the quickest way. Okay, my darlings, we have more questions, but I think we should leave it there for quack today. Let's move on to... Tarot, a go, go. A little what-the-heck with your favorite tarot deck. Today's card is... Oh, God, what is today's card? Ah, last time we did the five of pentacles, so we're done with fives, so it's the sixes. (laughs) My simple arithmetic skills are mind-blowing. Today's card is the six of wands. The six of wands. Let's pick it up and see what impressions we receive. All right, I've got it now. It is, oh, it's a lovely card, isn't it? A handsome chap on a white horse, and he has a wreath-like crown on his noggin. He holds a banner, a radiant sun on a white background, very lovely, and he wears a tunic with the same emblem, and he looks quite happy. In fact, in this deck, the Robin Wood deck, it's almost like he's trying to control or downplay the sense of accomplishment he feels. But the expression on the horse's face, that's my favorite, that's precious, because the horse seems to say, (laughs) I've seen this before. It may or may not last. (laughs) Now on my deck, this Robin Wood deck, I can't really see the faces of the crowd lining his parade. But in the other decks that I have, and I have many decks, um, the reactions are mixed. Some people are happy for the chap and some people not so much. You know, it is true that not everyone celebrates the success of others. So, generally a happy card, but what impressions are being transmitted to me? Breathing in the impressions, clearly a sense of victory. Accomplishment. Good news, it's a happy card. I mean, he's in a parade, you know. He's been awarded some honour. It could be a promotion, a reward... Some type of success because you did something right. You got the result you wanted. Could be a scholarship. Prize. This card bodes well for reaching agreements in business meetings. Any type of meeting, really. Yeah. Triumph. Victory. Recognition. Good news. It's a lovely card. Now. Now. What happens if we reverse it, if we turn it upside down or put it, as they say, in the challenged position? Let's do that and see. Ooh dear. Well, no victory. (laughs) Someone else made it to the finish line. Looks like your rival beat you to it. Yeah, all of that good feeling stuff, it's gone away. It's more sort of defeat and disappointment. Or perhaps you just don't have it in you to join the fight. You've lost your oomph. You don't want to go oomphing anymore. Perhaps you realize, I made a mistake. I'm not up for the challenge. Perhaps you're worn down by jumping through hoops, dealing with stubborn bureaucrats. And in some cases... This card can indicate a mole in your organization, a traitor. Hmm. What else is being transmitted to me here in the reverse position? Uh, Delays. You know, oh, sorry, we lost your check in the mail kind of thing. Miscommunication. You didn't make your move in time. This could also come... um, I'm sort of getting this feeling of a lack of respect from your partner. Uh, it could be your spouse or it could be a business partner. In some cases, it can either mean your spouse is being unfaithful or has lost interest in you. And um, they may not be unfaithful, but you're no longer a priority in his or her life. I sort of feel that. I mean, I don't feel that. I love my partner. This card is transmitting this information to me. I'm um, all told, I could sum it up this way. Upright equals victory within reach. Reversed equals victory eludes us. I'm going to turn it back the other way because the horse is getting vertigo now. Well, my darling, life is full of ups and downs and physical realms give us polarity. And that comes with a goodly dose of tears and hilarity. If you'd like to learn more about tarot, learn to use it as a tool to expand consciousness, to develop your intuitive skill set, check out the tarot page on my website, aniavidician.com, and we can go on a marvellous journey together into the mystical land of the major and minor arcana. Mmm, I'll drink to that. Oh, lovely. All Right. And now, my darlings, it's time... To pray and let the spirit hold sway. You know the prayer for St. Pra- the what is it, St. Francis' prayer for peace? Yeah, the prayer for peace, attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. It has been a personal favorite of mine since childhood, and it's my go-to prayer when the world becomes all too real. And I must remind myself of my true nature and of my true purpose. And it's a beautiful prayer, and I'm not going to recite it today. (laughs) During prayerful contemplation, I don't know, sometime last month, I started reciting what I thought was the St. Francis prayer, but it wasn't. It was a variation written in the same cadence, in the same essence of his prayer. And with thanks to whoever channeled this through me, I would like to share it with you. Divine Creator, make me an instrument of thy common sense. Where there is confusion, let me bring clarity. Where there is resistance, acceptance. Where there is falsehood, the light of truth. Where there is fear, a confident and rational mind. Where there is tyranny, freedom through self-determination. Where there is separation, unity through divine love, O Great Spirit, illuminate our souls and let each part of us be made whole. Basking in the glory of your light, help us bring right-mindedness where there is division and spite. For we are manifestations of your perfect love. Henceforth, let us remember this, it must be below as it is above amen so mote it be the original prayer is a gem in my opinion but whoever channeled this through me um clearly felt we needed to break it down a little better and i must say i do agree all right um do you know what we haven't done for a while we haven't done plato chips the segment where we quote a philosopher of note. So let's do that today, shall we? So, today's Hermosa Ponderosa is Ayn Rand, 1905-1982. And who is this chickie and why do we care? So, Ayn Rand was born Alyssa Zinovievna Rosenbaum, February the 2nd, 1905, in St. Petersburg, Russia. And she was the oldest daughter of Jewish parents. Um, And, uh, you know, her parents did well. Her father was a very successful pharmacist. And Alyssa was a very bright young woman, a very successful student. 1917, Bolshevik soldiers seized her father's shop. And they lost their lovely, comfortable middle-class lifestyle and were reduced to poverty, and they had to go and live in the Crimea. And of course, this is a situation which would profoundly impact the young Alyssa. And at this point, she decided that government should not be allowed to intrude into an individual's livelihood. And she was damn right. So, she did return to Petrograd, go to university, graduated in 1924, And then she enrolled at the State Institute for Cinema Arts to study screenwriting, of all things. Things changed for her 1926, when she was granted a visa to visit relatives in Chicago. And, you know, Chicago 1926, Soviet Union 1926, she did not look back. She went on, she changed her name, Ayn Rand, And um, after spending some time in Chicago, she moved to Hollywood to become a screenwriter. Somehow or another, she met Cecil B. DeMille. Ayn Rand became an extra on one of his film sets. I think it was The King of Kings. And then she met the actor Frank O'Connor. And they got married in 1929. And she became an American citizen in 1931. And then she went on to do various different jobs. She was a clerk at RKO Pictures. She became the head of the wardrobe department there. But meanwhile, she kept developing her craft as a writer. 1932, she sold her first screenplay, The Red Pawn, which was a Soviet romantic thriller, and Universal Studios bought it. Then she wrote a courtroom drama called The Penthouse Legend, which was famous for a little gimmick that it played. Um, It used the audience members to serve as the jury. At the end of 1934, Rand and her husband moved to New York City. And um, at that time, she had just, I think it was around then, she had just finished her first novel, We the Living. That was published in 1936, but it was rejected several times first. Um, it talked about, well, it, it championed the moral authority of the individual. It was set in the Soviet totalitarian state. Um, and she also wrote the anthem 1938 about uh, a dystopian future in which the, now listen very carefully, in which the word I, as in I am, had been stamped out of the language. And people tell us that this is all science fiction. When we tell everybody they're going to change your pronouns, you're not going to be male or female, they're going to get rid of the individual. You guys should have been paying attention 100 years ago. She's best known for The Fountainhead and for Atlas Shrugged, which are two books you should not miss. Um, interesting but in 1937, when she was, you know, researching uh, for one of her novels, um, she met up with a group of people. One of them was Greenspan. Um, and actually, I, I apologize, it wasn't in 1937. Um, it was around 1930, uh, 1950. Stop drinking, Arnie. It was about 1950 where she met up with a group of other intellectuals. They call themselves the Collective. And one of them was the future Federal Reserve Chairman, Alan Greenspan. This is when she started honing her philosophy of objectivism. What people describe as a belief in a concrete reality from which individuals can discern existing truths and the ultimate moral value of the pursuit of self-interest. What does that mean? Well, Rand herself described objectivism as the concept of man as a heroic being, with his own happiness as the moral purpose of his life, with productive achievement as his noblest activity, and reason as his only absolute. I think she was trying to say the purpose of life is to be the best version of yourself that you could possibly be. And if you achieve this, then you have contributed to the benefit of mankind, to the betterment of mankind, and to the expansion of the collective consciousness. So once she really started working on objectivism, uh, that sort of ended her career as a novelist, um, and she started to be known more as a philosopher. She died March the 6th, 1982, while she was working on a television adaptation of Atlas Shrugged. She died of heart failure in her home. There was another recent um, surge of interest in her work around the rise of the Tea Party, you know, during Obama's administration where Rand Paul and Ted Cruz, um, you know, talked about Ayn Rand um, how much they admired her. And, and it was 2010, the Ayn Rand Institute announced that more than half, half a million copies of Atlas Shrug had been sold. So that was very nice to reintroduce her philosophy to the world, as much as I'm terribly disappointed by everything else that happened during that administration. So The Fountainhead, 1943. The theme, as Rand herself states it, is individualism individualism versus collectivism. Too many isms. Not in politics, but in men's souls. The book is about the conflict between those who think for themselves and those who allow others to dominate their lives. And according to Ayn Rand, the goal of her writing is the presentation of an ideal man. Don't forget she grew up in a totalitarian dictatorship in the Soviet Union. So she was passionate about political freedom, passionate about the rights of the individual. So in the Fountainhead, the hero Howard Rourke, he's, a, he's an innovative architect, a man who's very brilliant and he has very radical new designs. And these designs aren't understood by the majority, and they're rejected by the majority of society. 1957, when she wrote Atlas Shrugged, the theme of that is, in her own words, is the role of the mind in man's existence. It is the mind, the story shows, that is the root of all human knowledge and values, and its absence is the root of all evil. If you haven't read it, you really should. The country's top banker, a leading oil producer, a once-revered professor, an acclaimed composer, a distinguished judge, all vanish without explanation and without trace. A copper magnet becomes a worthless playboy, a philosopher-turned-pirate is rumoured to roam the seas, and the remnants of a brilliant invention are left a scrap in an abandoned factory. What is happening to the world? Why does it seem to be in a state of decay? Can it be saved? And if so, how? Atlas Shrugged is a mystery, mystery story, not about the murder of a man's body, but about the murder and rebirth of man's spirit. So we follow along as industrial, industrialist Hank Reardon and railroad executive Dagny Taggart struggle to keep the country afloat and unravel the mysteries that confront them. And as we read this book, we discover why at every turn they are met with public opposition and new government roadblocks, taxes, controls. Um, And why are the nation's most competent men and women disappearing? And will Hank and Annie succeed in saving the country? And will they discover the answer to the question, who is John? Got. <laughs> Fascinating woman. I really enjoy her work. Along with Bertrand Russell, she was very formative for me in my younger years. I happen to be rather obsessed about reclaiming our minds. I Remember the stories that were told to me by my Armenian great-grandparents and ancestors, um, what happened after the genocide. There was a, you know, independent Armenia for the shortest period of time. Probably the Turks would have taken it over, but the Soviet Union came over and you know, protected Armenia. But then it became a Soviet Socialist Republic where the individual was crushed, and I happened to be rather passionate about the rights of the individual. Because if we really understood sole sovereignty, then we would understand its values. We would understand the value and the importance of national sovereignty, the thing that new world order seeks to destroy, to open all the borders and teach us that we are all one homogenous goo. One religion, one currency, one philosophy, one everything. Probably one giant sausage to share for breakfast and one scrambled egg. It is not a good thing. The expansion of consciousness is diversity, unity through diversity. We need to have multiple colors, multiple philosophies, multiple histories, multiple different ways of cooking our food And then bringing all of that together and go, we know we have the same creator. When people are in their right minds, when they are aligned with the supreme cosmic intelligence, they want small government that will not interfere with their lives. When people are aligned with spirit, they have a moral compass and they don't need a jackboot police force. On the other side of this, my darlings, we will build a better world. But it's going to be bloody hell until we do. We've got to get through the muck of it. Angels, darlings, my beautiful people out there, I think that's probably it for today's show, because if I have one more sip, which I'm going to do now, it means I will have finished my drink. Mm. Oh, wow, that was good. So, I finished my drink, and that always means the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I enjoyed recording it, because I always have a blast. Today's real-life cocktail is called Mad Shaman in the Summer. <laughs> and here's how you make it. Four parts of very good rum. I used Havana Club Anejo Especial one part raw honey, I recommend clover, half a teaspoon of fresh lime juice, and a splash of Angostura bitters. Now, take all that, put it in a cocktail shaker with cracked ice, shake it hard, really integrate those flavors, and pour it into a chilled cocktail glass and drink it, And it's really quite wonderful. The reason I say clover honey is because you don't want anything too strong. Clover is just fantastic to have in your bar when you need honey in a drink. Now remember, folks, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I'm mad shaman Alessian. This was a Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, stand up for your rights, kick New World Order in the arse, protect your individual and national sovereignty, and hey, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini Show with Ani Abadisian, the Suburban Shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio.